I'm Rob Wooden. You can read a little bit about me in the bulletin. I'm not going to go into too much of that. Uh, I have known Camper, I can't, 17 years. That's hard to believe. You know, 22, 23 years old when we started working for InterVarsity together. Um, and he said that I wouldn't share any stories about him. And as thinking back on it, really, the, the stories that come to mind are just about my buffoonery um, and not about Camper. I mean, Camper, solid, steady. It's what you want for in a pastor. And, but 17 years, and you know, I mean, you've escaped the gray hair. You know, you look, you're much, much more worse for wear. It's probably because of all my buffoonery that I've had to suffer this gray hair. Um, we will be looking this morning in Ezekiel chapter 34. If you're not familiar with Ezekiel, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you can find it in about three quarters of the way through the Old Testament. Uh, let me see if I get this right. Here's, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you get to Daniel, you went too far. If you get to Minor Prophets, you went too far. If you get to the New Testament, you went way too far. Uh, I think in the bulletin it tells you what page it's on in the Pew Bible. If you don't have your own, grab that Pew Bible. You're going to need it. We can't do this without you looking at the Word of God in front of you. Um, before we jump into that, you'll find in this text the familiar metaphor of shepherd and sheep. And this shepherd and sheep, it's, it's one that you're, you've heard before, and Camper tells me that he used a sheep illustration in his Easter sermon, is that right? And, and the reality is, is if, if, if you're a pastor worth his salt, you've got a good sheep illustration. And, and in fact, I chose this passage this morning, and the one for next week, because you are a congregation that's looking for a pastor. And, and I chose this in particular um, because I wanted to sh- talk about with you guys, I wanted to see with you guys what the Word of God had to say about pastors, about who your pastor should be, about what he should be like. Um, and as you guys are considering a pastor, I hope this will be helpful as you're, as you're uh, looking into this man that will be called here. And so one of the things you might look for is you have a good sheep story. Um, so, uh, I mean, if he doesn't have a good sheep story, it, it wouldn't be a reason to disqualify him. But if he does, that's a plus. So, uh, a good sheep story. Here's, here's one of mine. I, um, I was visiting a friend who was studying abroad in the north of England, and we decided to drive up to Scotland and drive around the Highlands. And uh, fantastic trip. I mean, it's beautiful. Rolling green hills. Um, and, and we were going to get back into the countryside, and so we, we rented a car. It was a, a zippy little Peugeot hatchback, five-speed, and uh, it, it wasn't hard getting used to driving with the, uh, let's see, you're driving on the left side of the road, on the right side of the car. I mean, you know, that took a little getting used to, but what was really hard was shifting with the left hand. Fortunately, the pedals are all the same, so... You know, I, I could keep the same feet moving in the same direction. But it, I got used to that, and it was, it was great fun driving around the Highlands. And, and fortunately, they don't have as many police patrolling as they do around here because, I mean, I was just flying around through these hills. And they were single-track roads. Um, they're just wide enough for one car. And every once in a while, they'd have a little pull-off. So if another car was coming, you could pass. And sometimes it would mean uh, reversing for a quarter of a mile looking for that pull-off. Uh, one of the times we were flying through these foothills, um, 
we were, I, I came around this corner and down, down a little hill, and all of a sudden there's like 50, 75 sheep right in the middle of the road. And, and, and they're just, I mean, they are completely oblivious to me and my little Peugeot hatchback. Um, and in fact, so much so that I got up really close to them and I honked the horn and nothing. I mean, maybe one of them turned their head. I mean, they could care less about me. And I even, I even nudged up close. Like, I, I did not hit a sheep with the car. Do not call PETA. I lived close, I lived close to PETA. And, but I, I, I just nudged the sheep. And, and that particular sheep, he just kind of bounced out of the way. Um, but still, none of them. Under his own power. I didn't knock him out of there. But they could care less. And so Ryan and I, my buddy, and I got out of the car, and we started to, uh, to, you know, we were yelling and waving our hands and lightly pushing with our feet, not kicking, um, to get the sheep out of the way. And we created a hole big enough for the car to get through, so we jumped back into the car, and by the time I jumped back into the car and closed the door, they had just merged back together. So Ryan had to get out of the car and wave and, you know, create a hole to get us through as I pulled through. And, you know, a lot of times the pastor will use this type of illustration or anytime someone talks about sheep, it's usually about how stupid they are. Um, and, and this illustrated that, you know, yeah, I mean, sheep are not necessarily the brightest. Uh, when we look at this passage this morning, when we look at when we consider the issue of shepherds and sheep, I think you'll want to identify yourself with the sheep. And, and we'll see there's a lot of beauty in being a part of a flock, uh, the people of God. And I know, I know if you attend with me, if you follow along in here with me, you'll absolutely choose to be a part of a flock rather than a shepherd. Uh, with that in mind, let's look at the first part of this passage. We're going to um, read first ten verses and Consider those, and then we'll look at whatever, um, 14 more verses a little bit later on. So Ezekiel chapter 34, let me pray for us. Jesus, this is your word. You promised to teach through it. Holy Spirit, come, move in minds and hearts, open minds and hearts to you, to your goodness, to your love, to your promise, your promise to care for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You close yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search for them. 
Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I, declare, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Sorry. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. This passage is written as an edict against the priests, the shepherds of Israel. This passage is not for you. This passage is for me, for campers, for your elders, and it's a warning. And it's, uh, it, makes me, it makes me wonder at times why I would choose to get up here and do this. Because it is a serious warning. It is a warning for us who have been called as elders, as pastors, to not feed, to not use the people that we're called to to serve our own selfish desires. Now, if it doesn't, it doesn't take long to, to think of an example of this here today. If you have experienced this personally, if, if you have suffered under an elder, a priest, a pastor who has um, used you or someone that you're close to to serve their own selfish desires, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If this hasn't been your personal experience, you don't have to think very long and hard to come up with examples. The Roman Catholic sex abuse scandal is a clear example of this very thing that we're talking about. And these, these examples, of course, are not, um, they're not limited to just Protestant churches and priests. We also know of stories of pastors who have abused their authority, take advantage of the people that they serve and care for, to feed their desires for sex, for power, for money. And this passage is a warning to us elders, us pastors, us that are called to care for the sheep. If you look carefully, look at this warning with me. In verse 2, halfway through, Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? And then in the next two verses, notice the, the second person personal pronoun there, the you. There's something like nine of them in two verses. Look with me. You eat the fat. You close yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. The weak, you have not strengthened. The sick, you have not healed. The injured, you have not bound up. The strayed, you have not brought back. The lost, you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. Why, why, why preach to you about a warning to pastors? And elders. I mean, yes, I mean, you're a church that's looking for a pastor. And so you want to consider the temptations that pastors, that elders are going to face when given this authority. 
But you also want to know what the man that you're calling is called to. First and foremost, he's called to feed you with God's Word. That's what, that's how you're going to be fed. It's the only way that you're going to be fed. You're going to be fed through God's Word. You're going to be nurtured through God's Word. And that's when, when it says, should, you not, should not shepherds feed the sheep? That's the feeding that we're talking about. But instead of doing that, what we see these shepherds doing is feeding themselves. They're using, they're using their flock as a commodity. Now anybody that's been given authority is going to face the temptation to serve themselves with that authority. Um, but what we see with elders, with pastors, is that there's, there's, there's even a deeper type of authority. And because our job, our, the job of the elders in your congregation, it's a relational job. It's a relational authority that is given to them over you because it's a job about people. It's a job about serving and protecting the flock. And so it has to be with relating, relating to you. And then it's an emotional type of authority because they're going to get to know you on deep levels. They're going to walk through you, walk with you through the hardest things that you'll face in life. Through your deepest pains, through the loss of loved ones, through illness, through hospitalization, through relational strife, through divorce, through children that turn away. They're going to walk with you. And so they have this emotional responsibility, this emotional authority in your life. And then, of course, an elder, a pastor, has a spiritual responsibility. And this is ever-increasing levels of intimacy. If I'm relationally intimate with you, we, we know each other. We talk. We're friends. You know, we get to one level. If we're emotionally intimate, even deeper. I'm sharing with you my heart. You're sharing with me yours. If we're spiritually intimate, then I get to point to you as a pastor. Your elders get to point you to the hope for your emotional distress, the hope for the difficulties you face in life. And so this authority is, is even more than that of a politician, and that's why we have such dire warnings. It's more than a teacher, a professor. It's more than your boss. And that's why you get such a strong warning. Because there's going to be consequences. Look with me at verse 5. The consequences. What happens when a shepherd does not do the work that he's called to? When he doesn't feed you with the word and instead feeds himself. Verse 5. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. I think my sister is one of these scattered. Um, when she was at the University of Miami, she got involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and I was at the time working for InterVarsity. And so we had great conversations about the gospel, but 
Looking back, I wonder if I did all the talking. And then when she graduated and she went up to Boston for a job, she visited a few churches at my encouragement. But there was, you know, you visit a church, you often don't get connected right away. You don't, you don't have that pastor who spots a new person, pursues you, welcomes you, and brings you into the fold. Unfortunately, that story is all too common. Maybe that's something that you consider as you're looking for your next pastor. Who is it that your your next pastor, who is it that they're going after? Someone like my sister? Someone who was lost? It's interesting, you look at, we, we think, we, we talked about this warning to the shepherds, he said, you, look how he describes the sheep. It's verse 3. Um, I'm sorry, verse 4. The weak, you have not strengthened. The sick, you have not healed. The injured, you have not bound up. The strayed, you have not brought back. The lost, you have not sought. The weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, the lost. Is that a good description of the people of God? I think it is. I think it is. And if you look at this list, if you look at this list of the weak, the injured, the strayed, the sick, the lost, and you don't see yourself there, and you don't see yourself in need of a Savior, you don't see yourself in need of Jesus, and frankly, you don't see yourself in the need to be here this morning, the weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, the lost. If you don't count yourself among them, there's a few verses a little later on that are directed towards you. These are the people that Jesus chooses to go after. Look with me at verse 10. There's this warning that every pastor, every elder should be aware of. Because thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand. In Hebrews verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 17, you don't need to turn, but it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Humbling and scared. And I have to give an account to the people that God has given me to care for. Is that me? Way to ruin a moment, technology. I have to give an account. Plenty loud. Maybe turn it down. Uh, too, whatever. All right. <laughs> I have to give an account. I'll stand before the Lord. I'll say, what about Nicholas? What about Rebecca? What about John and Libby? 
What about Jennifer? I gave you them to care for. The temptation to abuse the authority that's given you is going to come. If you've ever been given any type of authority, there's going to be the temptation that comes with that to abuse it. It doesn't matter how small your authority is or how great your authority. Maybe a good question that you could ask the pastor that you're looking for is, how have you dealt with the temptation to abuse the authority that's been given to you as a shepherd of the sheep? How have you been tempted to abuse your relational authority, your emotional authority, your spiritual authority? And if they say, I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't done that, then they're probably not very self-aware. They probably haven't really considered their calling, or they're lying to themselves, or they're lying to you. Because remember, temptation, it, temptation is not sin. Facing a temptation is not sin. Our Lord Jesus was tempted. What matters is what you do with the temptation that comes. The temptation is going to come. The temptation for your pastor, for your elders, is going to come to look at his flock as a commodity. And so what do you do when that temptation comes? What that looks like for me, how I look at that, when that temptation comes, it looks like this. I'll sit down with someone in my congregation, and I'll get to know them, and I'll get to know them in deep, relational, emotional, and spiritual ways. I'll, I'll begin to see some of the deep-seated hurts and pains in their lives, things that they've struggled with, and I'll see how I can help point them towards the cross, towards Jesus, to meet those deep-seated needs. And of course, that's all good. You're saying that's not a bad thing. You need to do that. And, but here's the thing. The way I twist that is I, I think... I think now they'll, they'll be thankful that I was the one that helped them see this need and how Jesus is going to meet it. Now they'll be appreciative of me because I was the one who led them to Jesus. And you, and you see how so easily I twist even sharing the gospel to serve my own selfish needs. And maybe you say, well, Rob, you're being too hard on yourself. I'm not. Because if you consider the worst stories of the way that pastors have abused their authority, it starts with their insecurities. It starts with their need for approval. I have that. I've got deep-seated insecurities. I have deep struggles for approval. And when I sit down with someone in my congregation or when I preach a good sermon, I get that feedback that it feeds that part of me that can only be fed by Jesus, that should only be fed by Jesus. And so I twist even my calling to feed my own needs. I use that emotional connection to feed the emotional lack that I have in my life and had since I was little. I'm not going to turn this into a counseling session. I'm not going to lay down for you and tell you about my childhood. But it's questions to ask the pastor that comes before you. How are they going to deal with the temptation to feed on the flock? The first part of this passage is about what the shepherds were supposed to do and didn't. Remember, what they're supposed to do 
is feed the people of God with the word of God. And instead, they abuse that. And now we're going to look at what God's going to do. What God's going to do because his shepherds have failed. What God's going to do because the shepherds, even today that he's called, shepherds like myself, who are tempted to misuse their authority that's given. What he's going to do, even through those shepherds, and this is what he's going to do at the end of verse 10. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture that shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be their shepherd of my she- will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. What do we have? Um, end of verse 10 to verse 16. So 6, 7. Not a math guy. I think it's 7. 7 verses. And he says, I will 14 times. This is what, it's what God's going to do. It's what God's going to do when shepherds fail. It's what God's going to do when you walk through the time of clouds and thick darkness, the rains are going to come. Many of you have been through the time of clouds and thick darkness. And the promise here is that God will seek you out. Remember I said, are you the lost? Are you the strayed? Are you the weak? Are you the sick? Are you the injured? It's interesting if you look at the order. When he accuses the shepherds, he says, you did not... Go after the weak. You did not bind up the injured. You did not heal the sick. You did not go after the stray. You did not seek out the lost. And then when he says what he's going to do, he says, I will go after the lost. I will look for, I will seek after the strayed. I will heal the sick. I will bind up the injured. I will care for the weak. This is what God is going to do. It's what he promises to do. And he's going to do this because you are his people. And he loves you. And he's not going to let you go. Now I said if you don't consider yourself among the lost, the strayed, the sick, the weak, the injured, and if you don't see that need, then these next verses are for you. Look with me at verse 17. End of 16. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? 
And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. The reality is, is every single person in this whole world is lost, is strayed, is weak, is injured, is sick. And every single person needs a shepherd who will seek after them and care for them. Every single person. But the ones that he calls the fat and the strong are the ones that don't recognize this. And so his judgment is not just for the shepherds, but for the sheep, for the person in a church who doesn't see their need and abuses their position that's given to them by wealth, by strength. And God says, I will judge you as well. Verse 22, I will rescue my flock and they shall no longer be a prey. I got another sheep story. I got two. At least two. If I think of another one, I'll extend the service. I'm just kidding. So uh, when I was a kid, we lived out in Southampton County, and there were a number of uh, sheep ranches. I think that's what you would call them. Sheep ranches, and uh, apparently what happens when a ewe uh, has twins, she rejects one of them. She's not going to care for both, so she's only going to care for one, and the rejected one is just lost. It's a lost sheep. Uh, And and so what will happen is the rancher will take this lost sheep and feed it, care for it, feed it by a bottle, care for it, raise it until it's ready to join back in with the flock. Uh, When I was 12, sister was 8, my parents, who were friends with this uh, rancher, um, decided it would be a good idea for us to take care of a little baby lamb. And, you know, of course, very cute, right? I mean, it was probably around Easter. Um, And and it was was cute, and and we named the lamb Bucky, you know. and, uh, and it was good for us, for, you know, caring for a helpless animal. And, and it's good for me because I get this sheep illustration. Um, <laughs> so we, we took Bucky home and we fed him by bottle and it was incredibly cute. And, uh, and, you, know, and, I, and I, you know, I wasn't too proud as a 12-year-old boy to... I think it's pretty awesome holding a baby lamb in your arms and feeding it by, with a bottle. Uh, but we, bu- we built this uh, pen in the back for, for Bucky. And, I, you know, it was just like, it was a good-sized pen. My dad, you know, he put his effort into a post-hole digging, you know, stretching wire around. Um, it was a good size. And, you know, we, we were going to spend as much time with Bucky as we could. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a sheep. You know, he's got to stay outside. So we left Bucky in the, in the pen for the first time and went inside, and not too much longer, we hear this uh, banging on the door, the back door, and, and Bucky had gotten out of his pen and uh, then decided to bust through the screen door and was banging his head on the back door because he didn't want to be alone. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. So, 
But still, I mean, it's a sheep. You can't have a sheep in your house. You can't stay outside with them 24-7. So my dad got some chicken wire. He wrapped it around. And I thought, all right, there's no way Bucky's getting out of this. He did. So we got some barbed wire. And I mean, there is, I mean, how Bucky got through the barbed wire, the chicken wire, but I no idea. I, maybe he jumped. I, it was, but he could not stand to be alone. He had to be with his people. And, and the same is true for us. We, we can't do this alone. We're, we're called together. We're called together as a flock. We're called to the body of Christ. Western civilization has turned Christianity at times into me and Jesus. That's all that matters is me and Jesus. If, if I'm good with Jesus, then I'm good. But there's so much more. So not only is that just not right biblically, theologically, it's just you're missing out. You're missing out on the beauty of this group. The beauty of this little flock. You're missing out on the opportunity to share in the, the joys of a congregation. And, you know, I'm preaching in the choir. Y'all are all here. So. But, but maybe times you're tempted not to come. Maybe this is that one Sunday in seven that you make it. Maybe you're not plugged into, a, I don't know, small group ministries or other things that you have going on here. But you guys are made to do this together. You share in the joys. You share in the sorrows. You have someone to weep with. You have people to laugh with. People that understand. Understand what it is to be lost and strayed and sick and injured and to need a Savior. And what's more, look with me again, verse 22. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now this is uh, 400 years since David has died. They're not talking about King David. He's pointing to that great shepherd of the sheep. He's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to the one who can take us from the lost, the strayed, the sick, the injured, the weak, and bring us together as a people of God. Very different. Bring us together to create a flock that looks to their great shepherd. And for me, for Camper, for your elders, for the pastor that you'll call to serve you, that great shepherd, Jesus, gives us the ability to be under shepherds because we'll fail. We won't always handle temptation well. And we'll need a shepherd who works in and through us. We'll need a shepherd who points us to where our life and health and peace is. And this is where being Presbyterian is great. And, and the reason I say that is, is because your shepherds, they're not alone in this either. There's that what we call a plurality of elders, ruling elders, teaching elders, 
It's not just your pastor who will stand up here. But as a pastor who is with, his, his vote doesn't count any more than anybody else's on the session. And so together, they can look at each other and say, how are you dealing with the temptation to abuse the relational, emotional, and spiritual authority that's been given to you? Maybe they haven't done that yet because, you know, I, it's not like I coined the phrase, but it's not in your language, but it can be. But they can look at each other and say, how is it you're dealing with those temptations? How can I help you? How can I support you? And that's the beauty, the beauty of this plurality of elders. Because together they have Jesus. Together they can serve under the great shepherd. He's the one that gives us the hope and life and peace in the midst of clouds and thick darkness. Let's pray together.